Hello, and welcome back to Two Bar Stools and a Knife, talking about the hospitality industry then, now, and in the future. From FIU Chaplain School of Hospitality and Tourism Management and the Bacardi Center of Excellence, I'm Professor Nathan Dodge, joined by Chef John Noble Massey and our long-lost co-host, uh, Professor Brian Connors. So last yeah. week, uh, John and I were talking about changing the name to One Bar Stool, a Knife, and Another Guy. But um, I guess Brian's back, so he's taking Brian's a back. bar stool. One bar stool, a knife, and an airplane. You know? so. so how was it's the nice honeymoon, man? How was yeah, yeah. It was delightful. Uh, Napa Valley is always kind to uh, us here at FIU, but as well. And it was my first first time for uh, my wife to be there. So oh. she really, really enjoyed herself. And, so. and, and again, Nathan, I, you know, I was looking for, looking, checking my mailbox for the invite, you know, not for, for the honeymoon. You know, no, no, but, no, not the uh, honeymoon. But the, definitely, the I would have flown party. up to go to um, uh, the French Laundry, and I think we could have joined yeah. that at least. That I think we could have joined that. Yeah. Welcome by FIU alumni when I walked in the door at the French Laundry. No, so that was, is uh, awesome. As John Noble Massey would said, a fabulous experience. They really were doing it right. You know, let's face yeah. it. Yeah. Thomas Keller and his team just are just masters of detail. But really, you know, there was no uh, sense of. Uh, spacing was perfect the time they really thought through every detail so uh, it was it was a great experience all the way through so i'm excited to talk talk about details talk about well we're going to talk about today, the yeah. thomas keller of neighborhood kitchens later on in the show <laughs> so, yes uh, yeah oh, it's great. Great. On with the bacardi center of excellence uh yeah man we're, we're cranking along looking forward to getting back on campus uh, when it's safe and practical we had an amazing experience with drew neopal uh, as our last Bacardi guest uh, for our Bacardi talk. So we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh, for our next uh, go, probably in November, early December before the holidays, just shaking it up a little bit. But Drew is amazing. Great feedback. Uh, some uh, new friends and old friends joining us. But uh, as I said before, Drew is the restaurant tour of restaurant tours. Uh, so it was great to hear him. And uh, actually, Alan, you did some time with Drew as well uh, for his <laughs> With Drew Neopon. Oh, Drew Neopon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so my, his former partner, uh, Michael Bonadies is one of my closest uh, mentors and advisors. Oh, perfect, perfect. But uh, yeah, everything's going really good, and we're coming out. We we're in. Me- I was in meetings all day yesterday for some new content coming out. Um, bar operations and best practices. We're teaming up with some local, well-known restaurateurs and bar management teams, uh, and a little sneak peek: uh, a rather well-known online uh, food network. Uh, we're also going to be doing some work with. So we got a lot of good stuff going on here. Uh, it's just. You know, as, as every day goes by, new content we're developing, and we're trying to get it out there. So all things are good in Bacardi land. Oh, so what do you think, we guys? Should, we should interview our, we should start at least introducing our guest. Absolutely. So, do you want to take it away, Mr. Connors? I would love to. So, uh, Alan Phillip, welcome to Two Bar Stools and a Knife. And don't think, guys, I didn't hear your last show with Chef Jeremy Houghton and uh, kicking me off as quickly as you did. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Chef Jeremy Houghton, for hosting that. But, uh, Alan, brother, welcome, the Chief Creative Officer uh, for Reef Technologies. We're looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Dean Chang says, you got to get this guy on because you guys are really doing some dynamic and creative stuff. And I, we gave a little hint there, but uh, we'd love to have you talk uh, a little bit just about your background, kind of what got you into this space. And then uh, we're just going to get into some kind of fun questions and uh, get this conversation going. So we'll, we'll throw it over to you, Al, a little bit about you. Cool, man. Well, first off, thank you for having me. It's always good to be on uh, two bar stools and a knife. Uh, <laughs> you get the name right. <laughs> I feel like I'm super honored to be here and to be included, especially as the Miami resident, as this uh, impeccable uh, food podcast. 
Um, but I'm a huge fan of FIU and I, I really love coming there and meeting the students and, and helping them find their way into the world of hospitality and understand where things were and where things are going, et cetera, et cetera. My background uh, is that I was born in uh, New York. I was born and raised in New Yorker. I uh, come from a town called Great Neck and I've been a, a hospitality lifer, you could say. Uh, my first job um, was a culinary stage uh, under Wolfgang Puck at the original Spago on Sunset Boulevard in uh, Los Angeles. From there, uh, I went to Cornell, the hotel school. You know, I give, give a shout out to the guys right here, <laughs> Brian. And uh, during that time, I met uh, these guys, Noah Tepperberg and Jason Strauss, who were uh, starting a, a little company called the Tau Group. Uh, at that time, it was called the Strategic Group. So they uh, run, They at the time, they were working out of a desk in someone else's office. Um, but now they run and have sold one of the largest uh, restaurant companies in the country. They actually, uh, I believe, have the, had the highest grossing restaurant in the country at least pre-COVID. And um, I also worked for a Myriad restaurant group during that time, as mentioned, for Drew Nipron. I saw him at a uh, Donuts with Dittman, I believe it was, and uh, convinced somehow, got him to, to hire me for, for uh, a management training program there. When I graduated, I started a hospitality marketing and consulting firm called Sky Group. And the reason... I thought I had the right to be a consultant directly out of college. I'm not 100% sure, but um, it's because really like marketing, guerrilla marketing, digital marketing was all really changing at that time. And no one really knew what they were doing. They still very much often still, they don't know what they're doing. Um, but I was able to add a lot of value um, by understanding those worlds. And, um, you know, my first big project was uh, actually the expansion of the Borgata Hotel, in Atlantic City. Um, we launched restaurants there with Bobby Flay, Wolfgang Puck, uh, Michael Mina, and a nightclub called Murmur, um, and a bunch of stuff there. And that kind of like led that business on what was a 13-year journey, um, working with a lot of multi-unit operators from all the way from Macau, China to Dallas, Texas, and everywhere in between, helping them figure out why, you know, Atlanta might or might not want a spice market from John George. Um, because there was, there was a period of time that like the theory was, let's just like make everyone want one of what everyone else has when they didn't realize that, you know, locals like local things many, many times. Um, Miami being one of the, the unique places where that doesn't always hold true. We like stuff coming from other places. Uh, worse, quite often we do. From there, I decided I wanted to do like, so 2008 came, I went from having my best year ever in my career to uh, like basically having no clients because the first thing people cut was marketing and consultants. And um, so I decided to do something that was like a pure representation of what I loved. And so I did a pop-up restaurant in New York and I was arguably one of the first people to do pop-up restaurants in New York. And you know, kind of took on a life of its own for a year of my life. I became like the pop-up guy. And um, I did, you know, I brought Cantonetta Antonore from, from Italy to New York, brought uh, State Bird Provisions from San Francisco to New York, brought Roberta's Pizza to Miami, like all different pop-ups all over. 
then I ended up doing one at the Rivington Hotel in uh, downtown Manhattan uh, with a chef called Seamus Mullen. And that turned into a management agreement for that property uh, where I opened two restaurants, one called Co-op Food and Drink, another called Victor and Spoils. Um, and, you know, I want to keep this long story going short. Um, from there, I, I, I was hired as the VP of Food and Beverage for Morgan's Hotel Group. So I sold my interest in the restaurants. That was pretty amazing, running, you know, 13 iconic hotels all over the world, um, everywhere from, you know, Moscow, Moscow and uh, Doha to L.A., San Francisco, Miami, New York, Boston, et cetera. Um, from there, I went on to be the CMO of Morgan's. Uh, I was the CMO there for another two years. And from there, I went to be the SVP of brand experience for WeWork, um, which is a pretty well-known and um, interesting business story. I've been, uh, you know, it was definitely like my first hyper growth experience, um, but, you know, tremendous learning experience and, and really interesting company. Um, and then uh, I had two kids. I wanted to get out of New York and I got offered by the Sofer family to be the CMO of Turnberry. Um, and so I moved down to Miami and um, oversaw all of their various assets from, you know, Fountain Blue to Aventura Mall and uh, JW Marriott Nashville and Solomia, which is right next to your campus. And then I met, then I started working on a hotel startup, but I met Ari Ohalvo, the founder of Reef last January. And um, I really was intrigued by the idea. Um, and I liked the people. And when COVID hit, they offered me to be the chief creative officer of the company. And, you know, it was the right thing at the right time. And honestly, it's been an incredible journey so far. Um, it's been the best work experience I've had in, in at least a decade. And, you know, the people, the company, it's just an exciting place to be. Um, and it has that like special something that people, um, look for in, in, in special companies. It's just, you know, there's spirited debate, there's smart people and there's opportunity and we have the resources now to really grow the organization. So, it's been, it's been like everything in my life that led to this, uh, like it all falls into place. And, and uh, you know, I happen to be a writer also. So I wrote the complete idiot's guide to the food truck business. And so I never knew that I was going to be able to apply that to something, but, you know, Reef, Reef is the perfect place for that. So um, I have a little bit of interest in, in that stuff too. I've done a little podcasting myself. So that's the long journey of Alan Phillips. Um, but you know, we're here to talk about reef. We are here to talk about reef. It's all about reef. And my question, because up until I don't know, five days ago, I had no clue what reef was, what a ghost kitchen was, or what a neighborhood kitchen was. And I don't think I'm alone out there. So give us like a heads up of what what you're doing. Um, I, I now that I know it seems really cool, but there's a lot of people who are like, oh what? Yeah. So Reef at Reef, we transform underutilized urban spaces, aka parking lots, into neighborhood hubs that connect people to locally curated goods, services, and experiences. Um, and that's that's the canned version. Uh, about you know three years ago, 
Ari um, raised some money to purchase the two largest parking lot management companies in North America, United States and Canada. And that gave us approximately like between 4,500 and 5,000 locations where we can reach 70% of the North American urban population and have more density in cities like San Francisco than, you know, Starbucks or Wendy's or any of like the proliferating operators. And what that does for us is it gives us what we would refer to as proximity. We are closer to the consumer than anyone else is. We are on the last block, not the last mile. And so when you look at a parking lot and you think of every parking space in that lot, you say, if it's just a parking lot, you might earn, you know, a hundred or $150 a space uh, on a monthly basis. But if you have 10 applications or 15 applications, the potential revenue per spot is much greater. Uh, could be a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a space. Who, who knows? Sky's the limit. Um, and so, the vision is the transformation of these lots to be used for these multi-purposes. Um, and you know, another like so. One of our primary um, applications is distribution and logistics. And you can imagine if you put the three hundred most delivered items on Amazon in a parking lot on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, you can then deliver those within, you know, 30 minutes to all the people in the delivery radius of that parking lot, uh, which is like kind of a game-changing thing that bridges the digital and physical world, uh, especially now that, you know, we're in this COVID world. Other applications, and I think one of them that we'd like to talk a lot about today is uh, neighborhood kitchens, right, uh, which is our ghost kitchen offering. And uh, we have some very, so first off, because you said you didn't know what a ghost kitchen was, it's a kitchen that basically makes food for delivery and pickup only, um, not for like dine-in service. So traditionally, a ghost kitchen would be, you know, outside of the city or in the outskirts of the city. It would be a commissary kitchen and people can, you know, rent space and deliver their concepts from there. Uh, our model is a little bit different. Um, we currently have 100 kitchens in 20 markets. Uh, we will have 300 kitchens by the end of the year and 500 kitchens by the end of the first quarter of next year. Each one of those kitchens, uh, we are able to run six to eight concepts out of. Um, so if you do the math, six to eight times 500 is, you know, I think it's 3,000 or something like that. Uh, it's a lot of slots for concepts. Um and so what we do is we, one, already have the, what we do differently than other cloud kitchen operators, one, we already have the real estate, right? We're already, like everyone else in the cloud kitchen world has to buy the real estate. Two, and they have to build kitchens. Two, we're already closer to the customer. And as you know, if you have a uh, hamburger and it's made 10 minutes ago or it's made one hour ago, 10 minutes is probably going to taste a little bit better, Right. Three, we use mobile kitchen vessels. So we're on our V11 right now. Um, and these kitchens are highly engineered, like technologically advanced, basically vessels or trailers. And we put them into the lots and run the kitchens out of the lots. And then four, we operate everything ourselves. So when a guy like, you know, David Chang is working with us, we're the ones executing his menu. 
So we run pilots with the people we're working with. We learn their stuff and we created a platform that enables people to grow through the system uh, with our tremendous investment and operational infrastructure. Now, I'm going to take you through just a little bit so that we can get to a point of discussion. You know, so right now we're working with big operators, small operators, and everyone in between, celebrities, anyone you could think of in the food business. Uh, you know, Miami, we got uh, Tron on, Michael's Genuine, uh, Michelle Bernstein, Winwood Parlor, Sergio's. There's, there's a ton of Miami concepts, but we have many that aren't in Miami. And so I'm going to use Jack's wife, Frida, as an example out of New York, which is a pretty well-known concept. So Jack's is in downtown Manhattan. They want to, say, expand their delivery radius to Brooklyn. So we put them in a kitchen in Brooklyn. Then we put them in a kitchen in uh, the Upper East Side. And then we put them in a kitchen on the Upper West Side. All of a sudden, Jack's is making you know, a significant amount more revenue than they would just from their brick and mortar location. And then what's, and what's more unique is it didn't cost them anything to do that. There's no capital expense to them to do this. And then we can take them to Nashville, Portland, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Dallas, you know, wherever you want to be. And we can expand them throughout our system. And, you know, at the, at the smaller level, you know, obviously restaurants are, are getting destroyed right now, right? And so we are really focused on helping those restaurants get through this time, make money, because everything we pay the restaurants is 100% profit for them, and, you know, supplement their future income through our platform. Um, now, Alan, I had a quick follow-up question. Sorry. So the, the cool thing about this also is if the concept doesn't work in – Upper East Side or up or wherever, you can change it out. Or let's say you have one area where you're getting the majority of your business, you can move your concept to whatever that central spot is. Yeah, so we we have lots everywhere. Um, obviously, once you have you know five thousand plus lots, like you're proliferating, and so yeah, there's times that a concept might not gain traction in a certain location. There's also times when something you didn't expect, um, like we're, we did this concept in uh, on the West Coast called Man versus Fries, and you know it's it's a completely virtual concept from a local entrepreneur, and it's gangbusters. So you're not exactly 100% sure what's going to resonate with with the market, um, but we are a platform business, so like. If you think about Amazon or the App Store, you know, there's thousands upon thousands of apps and there's a hundred of the most like well-known apps. Um, if someone puts their goods on Amazon and they don't sell, they don't sell. We're a platform. We're here to enable those restaurants to reach more customers and do it in a profitable way. That's excellent, uh, Alan. I'd love to hear what you're doing, and, and I, I'm excited about the, the concept in general. I love the idea of the mobile kitchens. Just a housekeeping question first, and then I have another question. Uh, how do you handle your delivery? Are you working through, are you doing it self-sustained through your own network or third parties? How are you handling delivery itself? So we do delivery 
in our, our distribution logistics business. Um, at the current time, all of our delivery from kitchens is done through Uber Eats, Postmates, Grubhub, and DoorDash. Okay, excellent. And But they're yeah. very often last, like they're big fees, right? For that, um, in general, like the restaurant, <clears throat> the restaurant doesn't have to worry about any of that. That's all baked into our model. Right. And I, I, so I understand that I, I love the idea of something low risk. And, and I imagine you have people, or at least I would hope that you've got people lined up with various concepts looking to try and, and do some business with you. Can you share a little bit about what your selection process is? And if we've got some listeners out there that are interested in, in partnering with Reef, what that process would look like and what they should what they should have in order if they come to you first first off you know covid took a vision that ari had um that you know him and his co-founders thought might happen in five to ten years and turned it into five to ten weeks and when that happened you know the pipeline kind of burst right like you know, no one's making money in restaurants. Like everyone's down to talk now. And I, when I say everyone, everyone you could think of, any single chef that you know, like they're open to having a conversation and doing business right now because they have to. Be. Um, but we 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 provide a service and we help help people. And so what we are all about is curation, right? Different neighborhoods want different things, and so you know. As I mentioned, Man versus Fries came through our Calling All Restaurants program, which we did like a couple of months ago, saying like, let, let's reopen together. Let's help you reopen. And Man versus Fries reached out and we got this amazing uh, success story out of it. Did the same with, with Delibles. They didn't have a location. Um, they had lost their location in Wynwood and we expanded them to a pretty you know, significant amount of locations. I don't have the exact off the top of my head, but basically putting them, putting her, you know, back in business. Um, and we, we love, we love Della and we love what she does and we, we love to support her and hopefully, you know, continue to grow together. Um, so you can go on our website and you can submit a lead and someone will get back to you um, and talk about your concept. And if we, you know, believe it is viable for the platform and for you because we don't want to waste people's time and uh you know we'll give it a try and see how it goes um but i wouldn't say there's you know as i mentioned you do the math right if if you have uh six concepts per vessel 500 vessels that's 3,000 slots an average you know we can get someone into let's say 20 kitchens that means there's a, there's room right now for 150 concepts by March of next year. Interesting. So, you know, I just spent some time in San Francisco last week, um, and I've been to San Francisco many times, and as uh, we all know, it's always been an incredible food town, uh, you know, foodie central, so close to wine country and everything. But it was interesting, Alan, kind of taking an Uber back to the hotel. We were only there for uh, two nights. But restaurants are literally dying. Uh, in San Francisco, with 25% occupancy. And um, it's real interesting where yeah. I, I wrote this, what's that? I said it's for people like us who enjoy restaurants so much and they've meant so much to our like existence and our celebrations and 
all the things we do in our life. Like I can point to like so many restaurants in my head, like, Oh, I went there for my birthday or, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's where we celebrated my mom's retirement or, and like that entire thing to like not be available at this time is really sad. Um, It is. It is very much so. But I'm seeing it now, you know, and I'm calling it the, the parking space economy where you guys have really optimized parking lots. But in San Francisco, for example, in New York City, we're now seeing the parking space uh, as dining room. Uh, and they are getting creative and I got to give them credit for that. But this is not sustainable. Um, as they said in the Game of Thrones, winter is coming. So where you have a very good fortune between you like that one Dodge. Huh? I got to keep you guys on your toes. I'll wait for one. Show. You know, I love that. Activity is dropping. All right. How um, stark, baby. There you go. But, uh, you know, it's, there's a difference between st- strategy and timing. And it looks like um, you had the right strategy and perfect timing for your brand. Um, what's wasn't the me. It wasn't me, but somebody. Well, <laughs> now, just for curiosity and kind of dovetail off of what Chef Massey was saying, you know, what's the build time for one of your vessels? I'm not exactly sure, but like I would imagine it couldn't take more than like, you know, 60 to 90 days. Okay. That's good. And then on that one, it's kind of like, where do you see it in the future? You know, if we do have the opportunity and we know you're an incredibly creative guy, but, you know, hopefully we'll see our beloved restaurants coming back to life and whatever that looks like. Uh, But that's then going to impact your current business model. So let's let's, let's stop there for one second. Can we, can we all acknowledge that the restaurant business model is not a good business model? It's incredibly broke. He goes into <laughs> restaurants and thinks, oh my God, I'm going to make, I'm a billionaire from doing this. It's high risk. You have to put out a lot of money and you make probably going to fail. Profit, right. So it's, it's, it, you got to be passionate. You got to enjoy it. Like that's why like hospitality people are so interesting because they're not just motivated by the, the ROI or the money. Yeah. So the restaurant business before COVID was broken. Yeah. And so you needed COVID is just an enzyme. It's just an accelerator of positive change. And what's happening now is I think an evolution to hopefully, you know, a better, more sustainable operation. Um, and so I think inefficiencies will, will, uh, be discarded. Secondary revenue streams will be realized and, you know, fine dining in, in my opinion might become a lot more expensive, um, because it's, it'll be even more occasion-based. Um, absolutely. You know, I just did it, you know, how often you get to go to the French laundry, um, and that's exactly it, where now price is no longer a question. It's about the experience and exactly that. Maybe you'll do that maybe every other year, you know, uh, or per se once a year or something along those lines. And those are absolutely, it's my honeymoon and it's a special occasion. So you're right on point there. Yeah. So I think it's going to change. I think, I think it was it needed to change and now it's going to change. And if I was going to tell you I had a crystal ball to know what it looks like, I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know that we are uniquely suited to be part of the solution. That's cool. And we know that our friend Michelle Bernstein is, is partnered with you as well. She mentioned that on this podcast, as a matter of fact, uh, right in the early stages of COVID. We went, oh, that's interesting. And she says, oh, you haven't heard of these guys. So, hey, yeah. guess what? Now, now we have on that one. So, Nathan <laughs> Dodge, what do you got, sir? Well, you know, there, 
the uh, the idea of restaurants has been broken, and now we are doing some new things, some cool things, you know, like making sure everything's clean, which is a really good idea. Um, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, clearly, but let's talk about, like, Reef's future. Um, is there anything really cool next, like nightlife and pop-up uh, nightclubs and weird <laughs> stuff? Like, well, I don't know. We do – we are where we – so – the goal is to create the neighborhood hubs, right? So these are, you know, central uh, locations where locally curated good services and experiences can be provided to the neighborhood. Creating what we would talk about and what is being talked about a lot in the media lately as the 15-minute neighborhood. And the 15-minute neighborhood is a neighborhood where you can get everything you want, everything you need within 15 minutes of your house leading to a higher quality of life, less congestion, less pollution, less waste, all of those you know, positive things. Because we can also point to the fact that how we were generally living wasn't necessarily so sustainable. Um, and well, so- and, and uh, sorry to interrupt, but that should also cut down on things like food deserts and, and areas where we're just, people can't get good quality food. So I would assume that yours this concept will, will even allow things like that to, to happen. Yes, of course. So, I mean, not every lot is in like, you know, on fifth Avenue. Um, they're in a lot of different, you know, culturally diverse neighborhoods. And um, we see our role as one bridging the digital and physical world. So people are making a lot of their purchases in the digital world. How do you bring that to the physical world? My, my, Favorite example of this is see it, eat it. Like imagine you're watching, you know, Roy Choi on Netflix and you see him make a pizza and you could press a button and that pizza delivered to you in under half an hour. That That's like the dream. Um, but not only do we bridge the digital and physical world, but we also, um, we improve the cultural fabric of the neighborhood. So we're working with some incredible artists uh, and architects to envision how these neighborhood hubs create, you know, a centralized place of of gathering for neighborhoods and really add to the feeling and positivity of what's going on. I mean, they could have parks in them. There's there's a lot of different ways in which this can play out. Um, You know, if you go to the design district, like, just like the cladding of those lots, which we manage there is like, you know, incredibly beautiful and adds to the overall experience of being in that neighborhood. And so we, we aim to do both. We aim to be, you know, not I would say we aim, we already provide the substance. Um, and now we're layering on the brand and the, and the beauty and the art and all the other pieces to the equation. Um, and that will, for your nightclub comment, include experiential opportunities um, because, you know, people are now having fitness classes outside. Um, You know, every one of our locations is socially distanced, tech enabled, you know, all the things you need to thrive in the modern, in the modern world. You know, uh, Alan, before I throw this over to uh, John Massey there, I love when you said, see it, eat it. And, you know, where you're having one experience, I want that. And it's almost real time. You're able to get that. Uh, and how, you know, obviously we are the two bar stools in our incredible partnership with Bacardi. 
Uh, you guys talking about anything in the adult beverage space or the beverage space? Obviously, liquor licenses are into play here. Yes. Uh, but what are you guys thinking on that? Because I think beverage kits and a lot of the items that have been very creative during these challenging times. We're going to run a uh, liquor delivery pilot in the next, you know, 60 days. And, you know, once we uh, figure out exactly if that worked for us, we will then expand through the network. Um, and then we also would love to, you know, um, add things on to our, uh, like to, to the, the, uh, different concepts that we have. So like, you know, if you're going to order Michael's genuine, you might want a bottle of Chianti with that. Like we got to make that happen. Sure. And, sure. and a pint of Van Lewin. Absolutely. <laughs> Johnny, how about you, sir? Excellent. Well, I love uh, the, the the ideas and the concepts. And you've got many of our listeners. We've got a good variety of listeners that are students and entrepreneurs and just people that are interested in the business. You have what I would say is probably one of the coolest job titles uh, as a as a chief creative uh, officer of your company. What can you explain to our listeners what you specifically do in that role and and how that how that yeah. enhances the value of your company? So the role has, has evolved, um, but, you know, I'll just point out that I also wrote a book called The Age of Ideas, um, which is all about unlocking creative potential. And that's definitely a major, you know, passion point of mine. Um, I believe we live in a world where the majority of physical assets have uh, commoditized and the primary driver of future value uh, generation is individual and organizational creativity. So an example of that would be, you know, a bow bun is a bow bun is a bow bun, right? But when you put David Chang's creativity into the bow bun, it becomes more valuable and more desired, right? The same thing is, you know, when you take a underutilized hotel asset and transform it into a lifestyle property and all of a sudden the room rates are, you know, 25% higher a night and you're doing great food and beverage revenue. It's the same thing. It's, it's changed. It's a change in how an asset is used. And so what I, what I would say I do is I shift perspective. Um, I change the way people see things so that it creates more value, right? We're talking about parking lots, right? When I was doing pop-up restaurants, we were talking about, catering events, really, but we call them pop-up restaurants and then everyone wanted to be a part of them and buy their tickets to go experience this one-of-a-kind thing. But what's the difference between a pop-up restaurant and a catering space? What's the difference between a parking lot and the neighborhood? To me, the difference is creativity and execution, right? It's how do you change the way the user sees the property, put these uses in place, and then create value out of that. And so that's what, that's what I believe I do. Um, in this particular case, I started out as the chief creative officer, um, but in that in in that specific case, I, I oversee all creative outputs of the company. Work on a lot of innovation projects. Uh, I'm developing our internal incubator called Reef Studio, um, but I also oversee the entire uh, marketing function for the company. That's pretty Very cool. cool. I, have, I, was cool. taking, I was taking notes while he was talking. I'm like, oh, that's good. That, yes. That's pretty cool. That works. You know, I, also do, I, also do rest, I also do restaurant relations. Like my favorite part of my job is being able to talk to guys like you and, 
uh, you know, restaurateurs and, and help them get on the platform and, you know, change their, change their lives. You know, and I love the fact that with your new business model, um, you're hiring too. And, you know, that kind of leads us up to our, our next section here too. So, uh, Alice, we've always Brian, had some are you fun. looking for a job? Is that why you're saying you I have that? too many jobs? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have way too many. But there are currently, there are currently 448 open calls. Yeah, but who's counting? So, you know, so yeah, uh, but that, that is like, that's probably the best part of this job is like when everyone is, is being like laid off and these companies are furloughing people to be able to put people back to work and feed families is amazing. Absolutely. It's like the best, you know, really, really. And there's so much talent out there. There is, there really is. And that brings us a perfect segue into this kind of uh, final section that we'd like to have a little bit of fun with. But, you know, um, I love the fact that you you went up to Drew during uh, Donuts with Dittman. And yes, uh, David Dittman was the dean when I was matriculating at the Highbrook, he was Waters as well. Notice I didn't say the name Dodge. All right, but uh, so let's do a little kind of uh, a little bit of role play here. And of course, uh, uh, Professor Dodge and uh, Chef Massey, feel free to kind of uh, jump in here too. But so, uh, Alan, let's let's picture you're graduating in this May uh, 2021 from uh, our well-known hospitality program and put yourself in that mindset. All right. So, okay, And then think about it. You know, um, what are you going to be doing? You know, if you were a senior right now. And you can kind of, again, you know, with your new bag of tricks and make recommendations, but, you know, what would you be doing right now? What segment of hospitality would you be looking at? A little bit of crystal balling here, but it's all good. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, obviously, uh, neighborhood kitchens isn't a bad idea. No, it's a great uh, idea. Right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, hospitality is in a, we- it's in a weird place. It's in a really weird place. I don't. I don't think anyone knows like how that plays out uh, over the next year. I don't think you know the hospitality industry has ever gone through something like this before. Um, if I was making a recommendation, I would say take two two things. Take time to experience the world. So. You know, do some stuff you want to do, not necessarily for financial gain, because you're only going to be able to do it when you're that age. Two, find some mentors and people you can learn from, um, whether that's at a job or just, you know, through like networking, because I, I, I believe like you can't get where you want or nobody else. Nobody really gets where they want to get without some mentors. And then three, I would say you got to learn the digital world. Because in my opinion, the digital world right now is more real than the physical world. And, you know, for all of us staring at our phones, looking at TikTok and Instagram and watching Netflix mm-hmm. more than we are and, and seeing each other on these, like you guys are, you know, like we're, we're buddies now. Right. But like, I only see you through this, through this, uh, this computer. And like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to give you a nice, you know, what's up hug or something like that. Like, Sure. <laughs> I don't know. So I only know you as a digital being. And so I believe that the understanding of how that world functions um, is incredibly important. And I guess I would conclude with, I, I really, this week, this idea of digit of bridging the, the, the digital and physical world has really come very clear to me. And I think that that's a, that's a tremendous opportunity that, 
uh, people should be looking at because Absolutely. you want the experience that you used to have, but you can't have it the way you used to have. Yeah. And then what they're having challenging with, and I'm glad you brought up networking and mentoring because um, I can speak for all three of us here from the FIU side that, you know, we're always, you know, you know, we have students, you know, I, I still talk to students I've had 15 years ago, uh, either via, you know, text and everything else. Uh, even I was in one of their weddings, you know, that type of stuff. So it never seems to change. But what recommendations also, again, you know, that 2021 graduating senior coming up here to really expand their network during these challenging times? Because, you know, you're pretty darn good at it. So what are you thinking? How, what's going to be their best way to expand their network? Um, well, like networking has never been easy. So like, I mean, there you go. LinkedIn is like, you know, LinkedIn is like the easiest social network that there is to like, I would say to manipulate, meaning like it does, like you can, you can get in touch with anyone on that, that platform. And, you know, it's pretty open, open for business. Like there's a lot of ways that can go. But, you know, most of these people who are graduating, I'm sure, use Instagram and TikTok also. So that's a great place to meet people. But, you know, pick up the phone and just call them, <laughs> you know, or, you know, send them a gift, like, uh, you know, a coffee or something. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's nothing that, like, even though we have all this other stuff, it doesn't replace human contact. It doesn't replace like a meaningful gesture. Um, so whether it's, you know, a thing of chocolates or, you know, a morning coffee or just a nice handwritten note, like you can stand out just by doing like what you would quote unquote say are normal things. Like you guys all remember that when we were all, you know, <laughs> young professionals and you would send a handwritten thank you note yes. if you had the opportunity and, you know, Alan, that's amazing. I'm so happy you brought that up because that art form, it, it can't be lost because there's nothing better when you get a nice note from somebody, which actually I'll be doing that to some people I have the opportunity to spend some time with in vineyards. I'll send them a hand note, you know, it says, thank you so much for spending the time. And by the way, here's an FIU baseball cap, whatever it is, that type of stuff goes a heck of a long way. So all well and good. So the creating of the new. So uh, I like all that kind of fun stuff. So notice, guys, we took it easy on Alan. It wasn't the, the crazy going around the world stuff, but I, I really know, I was think kind of hoping for some fun stuff. But well, I, I you know we we did some light stalking on you, Alan, and we we listened to some other podcasts you're on, and you had some great information out there. So we really wanted to make sure that uh, our students, including our industry listeners, because we have a nice mix of both, uh, really got value from both sides. So all well and good. Nathan Dodge, any uh, closing questions or comments? Uh, you know, closing comments are about the same. Uh, drink responsibly, everybody. Um, make sure you do follow us on Facebook, Two Bar Stools and Knife, and the Bacardi Center of Excellence. They are two different sites. There's two different information. Um, also, check us out on Instagram. We are all there. Um, hopefully, we will see you on campus soon. I was on campus today, and I saw nobody. So hopefully, yeah. I'll see a, a student or two soon. Um, other than that, uh, John Noble Massey, what's going on? Uh, let's remind everybody, uh, like we did uh, last week, that the Chaplain School is taking over the FIU School Pantry, the, um, the, the food pantry. And so just making sure that uh, for those of us that have, helping out those that may 
not have as much, particularly during these challenging times. So we got a we'll ton of canned sure. goods and yeah. some uh, personal hygiene stuff that is waiting to go to the food pantry. So yeah, that if you do awesome. have anything that's you know as simple as macaroni and cheese and toilet paper and toothbrushes, we do have students in need. So we will happily all. Yeah, absolutely. Alan, I tell you what, Alan, thank you so much for your time. You know, and it's going to be great to have you in the classroom when we can. I uh, can definitely see you speaking in our strategic management classes and our marketing classes and having some fun. And I think uh, John uh, Noble Massey and I have some ideas for you as well about uh, kind Absolutely. of bringing that, that next level of uh, culinary dynamics and incorporating you guys. And that sort of stuff. I would so, love it. And I, I really appreciate you giving me the time to share uh, myself, my story and, and the reef story with you guys. And I, I hope it's the first of many. I'm thinking of ghost kitchen in our parking lot at work. That way, we've got some uh, some easy yeah. good well, food. Well, it's, it's a training opportunity. It's a training and development. Oh, yeah, yeah, training. Oh, I was thinking more of a lunch opportunity, people. but training. Yeah, there you go. Let's let's have Michael Genuine and and Michelle Bernstein's place. You know, parked right outside in our our parking lot. We aren't doing anything with it now. <laughs> all right, gang. Thank you all very much. And of course, if you need any further information on the Bacardi Center of Excellence, feel free to reach out to me at bconnors at fiu.edu. And until next time, thank you all very much. Thank you.